I call this I call this meeting of the Heavens Invasion Ecclesia to order. Boom. <laughs> awesome. Thank you all. Boy, this was fun tonight. Yes, we should have more graduations. <laughs> exactly. That was good. So um I wanted to share with you some things and I want to get a discussion going here tonight. Absolutely, Alex, because God spoke to me yesterday morning in a, in a very profound way. And it's just really interesting that lately he just seems to be dumping this stuff on me last minute. You know, I used to be somebody that would spend a lot of time, hours and hours, you know, studying and looking things up and all this kind of stuff, which is great. I mean, I still love doing that. But lately it's just been like, boom, <laughs> here it is, right? So I feel like he wants us to talk tonight about the bride of Christ. And about how he feels about the bride of Christ. Okay? Um, I realize that we have a mix of people here. Some have never been married, some have been, and are no longer, and there are others that are. But I think we can all kind of imagine, using our imagination, right, how we think Jesus, you know, feels about his bride. Okay? And again, I'm a guy, this is a stretch for me, okay? I'm just being honest. I don't, I'm not that comfortable talking about myself as part of a bride. <laughs> All right. And can I get an amen, guys? Yeah. All right. So you women got to deal with being sons. So I guess I got to deal with, <laughs> you know, being part of the bride. So let's, you know, let's talk about this. What do you think when you consider, contemplate this whole idea of the bride of Christ, the, the, the one that, that Jesus, you know, is the bridegroom of, right? What, what do you think? And we have crickets. I would start out with love. Okay. Well, that's kind of the obvious, right? Um, Honor, trust. Okay. Faithful. Right. Yeah. Right. True. Okay. You guys are just, it's great. These are all very safe words here. <laughs> here comes Joe, so get ready. <laughs> Yeah, um, I just think that the concept of the bride of Christ, um, that's usually a concept from, take from Revelation, right? Revelation well, Paul talks about it as well, sure. Uh, I think that we are, we are beyond the bride. I think that we are now married, and bride is more of a concept of pre-marriage. Okay. This is my own personal concept. You know, I gotcha. think we're more into the married phase. Right into the kingdom married phase, you know, union and and the rights uh, to declare authority. Right. A bride doesn't have many of those benefits. A bride is just a bride. So you don't see that you don't see a bride could also be uh, a label for a woman that's because I still call my wife my bride. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now a bride can also be that endearment term of yeah. you know my bride of fifty years. Yeah. You know exactly. Or We're not there yet, but you know what I mean. So, or behaving towards your spouse and yeah. your bride with that honeymoon sweetness and love and all that juicy stuff. You know what juicy. I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> this is a family meeting, brother. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, that's <laughs> oh, 
don't listen to you. You said it, not me. <laughs> Go ahead. And, and, and also, I, I, in Revelation, uh, uh, John calls uh, uh, the New Jerusalem, I believe. He calls Jerusalem mm-hmm. for Israel the bride of God. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things uh, sure. there, you know. So I guess what I'm really asking, though, is about, you know, what is his feelings toward us as his bride, whether we're talking about, you know, this or the, or, or the, the current marriage relationship we have with him. Anyone? Anyone? Jen? Well, me personally, especially this past week or two, he's been speaking to me personally, like romancing me. Like personally, okay. Um, even when it comes to buying my clothes now, even as a young girl, I've always asked him for what I desire. I've always had a relationship with him and known his love, but this is in a different kind of way where I felt like he was. If we're talking to like personally, the romantic side of my like just this fun with the world, where I went to the store to buy a dress. And while I'm trying on this white dress, the song on the speaker starts playing, You Look Beautiful in White. Oh, really? Wow. Before I got to that, I was seeing some kiss on the shirt. I was seeing another shirt that said, Hi, Beautiful. And and I had, this is very personal, but I'm just sharing my heart, you know, what, what I was talking to him about. You know, it was the day of the anniversary party, which I felt was a celebration for all of us. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go there dressed white in this white dress. And he said, you know, it's fine with me. You know, you look beautiful and white. And then um, on my way there, because, you know, we started decorating a little earlier, this song started playing on the radio that I've heard before. And it, it starts with, I'll make love to you like you want me to. And I know this is a little funny, but <gasps> hear me out. <laughs> and the song says things that I didn't know the song said, which said, pour the wine, light the fire, um, your wish is my command. Amen. Um, and girl, ask me what you want, yes. and whatever. And I just really felt like, really like, yeah. touched by it because... I was like, oh God, like, here I am buying these clothes, and you're just like, but it was a special kind of moment where I was like, I bought things that I've asked, do you like this, or can I find a discount, can you give me a favor here, there, blah, 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 but this was kind of like, how, how, how you, you know, I'd love to see you in this, or you look beautiful in that, and you are beautiful, you are everything to me, what I wouldn't do for you. In a position of, I don't even have to ask. I can just desire. And his pleasure is my pleasure. My pleasure is his pleasure. And his desires are my desires. His dreams are my desires. And, you know, that was just something personal for me. And I get all, like, teary-eyed as I talk about it because I felt like he was just like... You were the only one in the room. That's it. And I was just like, even danced with him in the dressing room. And just like... That's so beautiful. Yeah. And he's like that. Yes. Where one time recently, I was like, Lord, I want to worship you. And I got on my knees and he said, 
I want to dance with you. Amen. Get up. There you go. Thank you. No, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Because, you know, the, the thing that, that I feel about it is that he has to be passionate concerning us. This is not just simply some platonic friendship. You know, it can't be by very definition of the fact, as you pointed out, Joe, that we've been made one with him. <laughs> We cannot be any closer to Christ than we are right now. Because God did that. He put us in Christ. So, you know, His passion for us is born out of that intimacy. And I I just feel like that we, as a rule, and I'm speaking about myself too, please. You know, this, this is new. You know me. When God shows me something, bleh, it's coming out. I, I'm not one of these guys, okay, I'm going to wait six months and then... T-. No, this is what God's dealing with me about. This passion that He has for for me, for us, is that something that, that I have as well? I don't. I'm not there yet. I'm not there in terms of reciprocating the passion returning the passion that I know he has for his own bride, of which I'm a part. Again, that's a stretch for me, you know, pray for me, right? And so, you know, as I'm thinking about this, all of this was precipitated because I I was watching a video by one of the prophet guys that I have really come to love very much, and that's Paul Keith Davis. I don't know what it is about him, man, but he just, there's something about him and his heart and the way he shares, it just really touches me. So Paul Keith was sharing some things out of Revelation chapter 10. Now, here's the other thing. I am not a Revelation guy, not in terms of the book of Revelation. I, I believe it's God's Word, I you know. I just don't spend a lot of time in it because I'm just tired of the controversy. I'm tired of trying to figure out what does this mean. I'm ready. That's all I know, right? It's like, you know, so the book of Revelation is great, but I've not gotten into it really deeply. But he brought something out that set me on fire 
and turn me in this direction. I'm like, okay, this, that's how you, you know, that's the Holy Spirit, right? It's like when all of a sudden something just begins to click in you, it's like, oh, I never knew that. I never saw that. You know, it's like, ah, crazy. So, so Revelation chapter 10 talks about this strong angel who comes down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud. Just picture this. The rainbow upon his head, face like the sun, feet like pillars of fire. Can you picture that? It's just crazy. He had in his hand a little book which was open. Now, those of you that have been tracking with me over these past few weeks, you know that I'm pretty much, when I hear about a book, (laughs) it's like, uh uh-oh, had a little book which was open, placed his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, and he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, and when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. So funny, the first time I read this, it thundered. I was like, what? Because <laughs> I read this yesterday to the folks at Impact, and as soon as I, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, confirmation or what? Thunder. Anyway, so when, the, when they had spoken, the th- when the seven appeals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write, John says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven appeals of su- thunder have spoken and do not write them. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I want to know what they said, right? Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven, that's the same angel, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be no delay, or a delay, there will be delay no longer. That went through me like a knife. There will be delay no longer. I'm like, delay? For what? Are you talking about the fullness, God? What are you talking about? But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound... Now, I have no idea what these seven angels are all about. I'm just being honest with you. Okay? But clearly, this seventh angel is the one that blows his trumpet during this season of time, this last day's time. That's what the whole context is talking about. So the voice of the seven angel, when he's about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. Can anybody tell me what the mystery of God is in the new covenant? What about Christ? Come on, think about it. Colossians chapter 1. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, we've talked about this before, right? That hope in the new covenant is not just merely wishful thinking. You know, oh, wow, it's going to be great if that happens, but I'm not sure it will. No, that's not the hope. The hope is, what, a confident expectation that something is going to be coming my way that's good, that's from God. So this phrase that Paul writes here, saying that Christ in me, Christ in you, is the hope of glory. How should we translate that? Come on, I just gave it to you. Christ in you, the confident expectation of glory. Now, it would help to know what the glory looks like. Because here again... I think we've been led astray, not purposely, but just because we don't really get all this yet. 
I can tell you from my personal experience, for years, we would cry out, God, we want to see your glory. We want to know your glory. Come, blast us with your glory. And we would all get prophetic words and see visions about the glory of God and all this wonderful, the Shekinah, you know, the weighty kabod of God. Right? And I still want that. I mean, I think it's just amazing that when they finished the temple, nobody could stand up. They went, bam. <laughs> you know, it was like, you know. But, um, but as I've, I've looked at this and I've said, Lord, what are you talking about? Revelation 8. It says that God... Amen, brother. That God has predestined us to what? To become conformed to the image of Christ. See? There you go. That's the glory. Why? Because what did it say? He says, he, he, he sanctified, or is it justified, then sanctified, then what? Glorified. Do you know that all those words are in the past tense? So, so this happened the moment Jesus resurrected from the dead. Is that we, because God had put us in Christ, we now have partaken of everything that He experienced. Which means we are already glorified. Now, I don't know about you, I don't feel very glorified. <laughs> I don't look very glorified. Okay? But the glory, here's the glory. The glory is that I, in my life and you in your life, are so one with Christ that people can't tell the difference between you and Him. Is that wild? So when this prophecy comes forth, that when the angel, the seventh angel, is about to sound, it's then that the mystery of God is finished it's completed, it's brought to perfection. What are we talking about? We're talking about the body of Christ finally, finally coming into our true identity as sons and daughters. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm going, okay, so this to me makes a lot of sense when you look at some of the other stuff that's in the scripture, like how about in Ephesians where Paul describes how Jesus died for the body of Christ, right? Gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5, 25, 26, and 27, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water in the word, so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. That is the passion of Christ, expressed toward you and I. He says, I don't want a bride that's broken down, that's dirty, that's messed up, that looks ugly. And you know what? He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve a bride that's anything less than a perfect companion to who he is. Can, can you imagine that? That this is the exalted place that he's created for us as his people, that we would be able to stand, you know, as this company of people, to stand before Christ in equal stature. Paul talks about it in Ephesians 4, where he talks about us growing up to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. All those big words that he strings together is like, <laughs> right? So, huh? 
What does the stature look like? No, what does all of what you're saying, what does that look like? It looks just like you. It, it looks like... When he says, you know, the... the what you say? You said, um... Yeah, we do look, we look like him, but according to what standard? Like how do we... Christ? I know, but, but sometimes people put that in a, a material aspect. Love. Material? Or well, you're not going to suddenly grow a beard and, and yeah. long hair. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, what does that glory look like to you? Okay, here's the deal. Um, we know we. I know it's good. It's a great question. So, what does it say about Christ? It says in in Hebrews, chapter one, that Jesus Christ is the full expression of the Father. Okay. Right? That when you look at Jesus, what do you see? You see the Father. Okay? Now, that's the principle that we're talking about here. So that when people look at you, what are they supposed to see? Exactly. That's We represent Christ just as He represented the Father when He was on the earth. All people had to do was look at Christ, look at what He did, listen to what He said. And they could see what the Father was all about. But, you know what, what got me off of when you said a broke down church broke down? Right. Because there is something in the brokenness that... I'm, when I say that, I'm saying, I'm saying living beneath our work. potential. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Okay. That, that we're not yet living to our fullest potential. as some, Can we agree on that? We're not yeah. yet living yeah. to that full potential, right? Okay. And so when Paul talks about this, this concept of a bride with spot or wrinkle, right? He's describing the challenge that's left for us to deal with. Because well, think about a spot, right? You've got a beautiful dress on or clothes on, whatever, and you get a spot. What is that? What's a spot? Hello, help me out here. What's a spot? It's a stain. It's, it's, it's something that's dark, that, that you spilled something, and it, it ruins, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a place of darkness. It could be shame. It could be any kind of negative mindset that doesn't line up with who we truly are as a son or daughter of God. See, that's what the spot, I used to think it was sin, honestly. When I first started studying, it's oh, oh, there's so much sin in the church. Okay? You know what there is, but that's not the issue. The issue is not the sin, it's the way we think that causes those stupid behaviors. Okay? It's a terrestrial mindset that the Holy Spirit has to re-educate us. From that terrestrial mindset, it's exactly. Thinking, it's the renewing of the mind. You know, correct. But it, 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 the church thinking, you know, oh, I, I, I like, we need to earn something, or, or we need to deserve something, yeah. Or for me to look like Christ, oh, I have to talk this way, I have to look this yeah, way, we're not there I have to yet. act this we're way. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're not trying to get in. We yeah, are yeah. in. We're in. Okay, just trying to have our brains catch up to what we already need. The reality of it. But like drowning in. Yeah. Even in Corinthians where Paul says, you know, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of God. Yeah. So you want to see the glory of God, look into a mirror, it's you. Yeah, I, I think what, what, what I'm trying to say is that it's, we make it too complicated. Because if we just rest in God. Yeah, that's the starting place. We will get you to that point. Because he'll bring it to your attention. Whatever needs to be corrected. Right. If we just learn how to just rest in him and say, okay, 
Just walk it out day by day. Sure. Uh, through your experiences and everything else, he will reveal to you what he's doing in you and what needs to be changed, because it will come out. Yes, but we also know saints who have walked with God for 80 years of their life who died and went to their graves with a mindset that did not reflect the reality of the gospel. Yeah. They weren't they weren't spending time with God. How do we know that? Because there's gonna be a change. When you spend time the with thing God, is that we don't you, know that. But we but but when you i I'm not saying that they're not saved. What I'm saying is that when you spend time with God and you get with God and you give your life to God so and, how you, much time and you God and you pray and you spend? but I'm just saying even if you just like Every single day, like when you're doing your time during your day when you're working, I rely on the Holy Spirit to help me to do certain things. Even if it's a response to somebody. If I feel my flesh rising up, I'm like, okay, help me. You know what I'm saying? We have to learn how to re- not try to put so much in our hands and, and try to change our way of thinking and just allow God to, because he said, I'm the author and finisher of your faith. Okay, I don't think anybody's disagreeing yeah, with you. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm just yeah. saying that like, we're not, we're not, we make it too complicated. We, we don't know how to just write. We're not embarking on a program yeah. of self-improvement here. Okay. All right? We're really yeah. not. We're, we're in a relationship with Him. Yes. And as we walk with Him, right? Holy Spirit brings stuff to mind. He shows us stuff, right? And He's got to do that. Because you know what? If I do it, I'm just going to start condemning myself. Exactly. You ever do that? Yeah. You ever start to condemn yourself over things that you realize, oh, I messed up on that? He's not saying that. No. That's exactly what I was saying. He's not saying that. He's just, you know, basically saying, well, well, what did you learn? Yeah. What'd you learn from that mistake? Have you heard of the saying, he can lead a horse to water? (laughs) Yes. Holy Spirit leads us to mind renewal. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody takes. No, they don't. Yeah. That. No. You know, it may just say, oh, well, you know what will happen. Some just make a, an effort into, okay, let's renew our mind. I'm thinking this way, and that isn't the right way of thinking. We just don't, ah, you know what, God, you take care of it. Or we could just, just a little exercise in, no, that is not correct. That is not God's thoughts towards me. Right. You know, if I'm condemning myself, I keep just saying, well, Lord, help me. Or I could be like, no, there is no condemnation because I am in Christ. There's exactly. There's a thought that apply yeah. to my life. And that's resting in God. And even, exactly. And then eventually yeah, what happens, you no longer think like that. Because yeah. your mind has been renewed in that aspect. You know yep. what yeah, that's what I mean. That's resting in God. Like, allow Him to do it. Like, allow yeah. Him to show you. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And that's what comes with reading in the Word, too. Because a lot yeah. of times we don't want to, we don't, we, we try to deny the, not deny the Word, but we're like, okay, Christians are the least. I've seen Muslims that beat down Christians with the word because <laughs> the thing is that it, it cannot be, it cannot be based solely yeah. no. on how good you are with scripture. Yeah, we got brothers and sisters in other countries or in China or in India who don't have a Bible with them. True. So if that was the case, then they are less. They share the Bible. Well, yeah. they are. They have less of a chance of mind renewal compared to us. Yeah. Yeah. And God has no preferences of, oh well, you guys are gonna get more revelation. You guys are gonna get less. Yep. You know, you guys are gonna have to work harder on your salvation. Oh, you guys are gonna have it easy. You guys are gonna have to yeah. die for the gospel. Oh, you guys are gonna be millionaires. You know what I mean? So, what I, I think what I'm saying is that everybody has a purpose, okay? And we have to be careful about how we try to mold and shape people into what God wants us to do. Because some people are teachers and they need to study the word because they may have to minister 
But Regina, I don't understand why no, why you're even going there because we're not even talking about forcing people into doing anything except just know that God wants to change our thinking, and and we just have to cooperate with that. Sure. You know, that's all we're ta- that's all we're saying here. All right, that's all we're saying. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, the original the original question or issue really has to do with where are we in terms of our ability to reciprocate the passion that Jesus has for us? He's passionate about his bride because he wants a bride without spot or wrinkle. I'm saying that that it, what I've come to understand is that the spots that Paul writes about here have to do with places of darkness that are in us. And the darkness is places where I, my mind is not yet renewed, where I'm not thinking in line with the scriptures. So wherever there's darkness, there, that's a place where the enemy can, can have influence in my life. That's a stronghold. You know, that's where the strongholds are because the enemy only moves in darkness, right? So we have the spots and then we have the wrinkles. What do you think the wrinkles represent? Condemnation would be a spot. <laughs> but what's a wrinkle? Come on, think about it. Think about the wrinkles on your face. I hate to do that for you, but think about them. I don't have them. I know you ladies don't have any wrinkles. So guys, think about the wrinkles on your face. It's a flaw. What What is happening on your skin when you get a wrinkle? Dryness. Yeah. Lack of collagen. Lack of collagen. Exactly. No, stop that. Oh my lord. My God. Cancel that out right now. So, no. Here's the deal. A, A wrinkle for me is a place where your skin develops this crack, this line. It's a division in the skin. And so I see wrinkles as, as, as representing those lines of separation and division and places where we're not able to come together in unity. And, and so think about from the standpoint of if that's true, oh my God, what must the face of the bride look like with all these denominations and separate different things out there? It's got to be pretty horrible looking because we can barely agree on the, on the basics, Right? So that's what I'm saying. I feel like that there is something here that the Lord is highlighting that we need we need to be focused on. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. Again, remember what God's called us to in this season is to recover and and live out some of these basic truths. One of which is how do we catalyze personal revival? I talked about that the very first time I shared about this this kind of new direction that God was giving us. Catalyzing personal revival. That's what we're talking about here. It's, it's releasing and increasing the level of passion that's in my heart for Jesus and what matters to Him. And so we, we see that He's on a, on a mission to create a bride without spot or wrinkle. And we got some spots and wrinkles. <laughs> Alright? So that's a problem. So let me finish up here, Revelation 10. It says, then the voice which I heard from heaven, which I heard again speaking with me, saying, go, to saying to John, go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel 
telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it'll be sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth, it was sweet as honey. And when I'd eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. I don't know about you. I've read this passage, you know, in the past. And I'm like, what? What? Really? What in the world does this mean? You tell the poor guy to eat this thing and you give him an upset stomach. What's going on? I don't get it. Right? It just doesn't make sense. Why? Why? It's almost like you're tricking him. You told him in advance, so it wasn't a trick, right? It's going to taste great when you eat it, but once it gets down there, you'll wish you had some Alka-Seltzer. So I'm like, all right, Lord, I, there's something here. What is it? Now, um, what do you call it? Um, Paul Keith did not talk about this. He just was talking about that the angels about to sound and the mystery of God is finished. We're in that season when, the, I, and this is so amazing that we're in this time when God is going to release to us what we need to finally break free of all the crap. I'm talking about, you know, you know I don't have to talk, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know the limitations that we all still live under as Christians that keep us from really fully being what we can be in Christ, right? So, so I said, Lord, help me here. So he said, do what you always do, son. Like, look at the Greek. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I went and looked at the Greek, right? First of all, let me tell you what I believe this means. The open book that this angel carried that John was told to eat, I believe it represents the end time revelation that we need in order to be transformed, right? Because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the Word of God that renews our mind. We understand these principles, right? Yeah. So there is, there is a realm of revelation that the Lord has for us as His kids that is going to be so transformative for us that it's finally going to set us free, as I've been saying, to be all that we're supposed to be. Be all you can be. Who, who, who said that slogan? Was that the army or something? I don't know. Anyway, the army. army. Right? So I believe that's what the little book represents. Um, it, it, it represents what's necessary for us to finally become manifest as the sons of God that Paul talks about in Romans 8. That, that What does that mean? I don't know. But clearly the earth is groaning, creation is groaning before, you know, to see us come forth. So I believe that that's what this book represents. How about this idea of it being sweet in your mouth? You know how delightful it is. When God begins to speak to you, it's yeah. just like, oh, wow, it's amazing. The revelation, it just, it does, it's sweet. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? I mean, we know that. So I'm looking at this word bitter in the Greek. Oh my gosh. The primary definition of it that, that I think most commentators key off of is that it means that it's bitter to the taste. Okay, that it's bad. It's, it's, it's a bad taste. And so I'm going, all right, Lord, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Any of you got taste buds in your stomach? No. Oh. It tastes like a lot of hair. <laughs> okay. They're not in our stomach. So I'm like, okay, so, so it can't be that. It can't be that. So I'm looking at, here's the rest of the definitions. You ready? This is how the word is used in other contexts, both in secular Greek writings and also in the scripture. 
to exasperate, to make angry, indignant, or irritated, to, to grieve. Anybody want to hazard a guess? As to, huh? To grieve was the last one. It's to exasperate, make angry, indignant, or irritated, or to grieve. Anyone want to hazard a guess why the revelation that John 8 would, ha- would, would produce that kind of reaction once it finally was digested? Anyone? Euler? I'll write a book on it. You'll write a book on it? Okay. Was it because what he read was, was going to... You know, since he was reading the end signs, he was reading, you know, like how hard it was going to be. Good guess, but no. (laughs) So, yeah, here's what I feel like the Lord showed me. That there is this thing that happens when you begin to really understand what he's after what Jesus died for, what He paid for, what is possible for us, that, that something inside of you goes, I can't stand to stay the same anymore. I can't stand it. I don't want this. I'm getting irritated over my limitations. I'm becoming exasperated over the fact that I'm not raising the dead yet, or I'm not walking on water yet, or I'm not doing what Jesus said I could do. This is what I believe it meant. Is he ate the word, the word went in, and it caused him such a level of discomfort that the status quo was just, it was no longer possible. I I can't stay here anymore in this posture because this has got me too stirred up. My stomach is cranking here. I gotta move. I gotta do something about this because it's just not right. I feel like this is what God is saying. That this is what's necessary if we're going to partner with him in this. This blew my mind. I'm like, wait, what? So, so I'm like, okay, so how, how do I do this, Lord? Eat the book. Eat the book. Amen. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, you want to eat the book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So let's just do that. I guess, I don't know, I guess I'll lead you in a prayer. Father God, you can repeat this after me, by the way. Father God, Father God I, come before you today, I come before you today, seeing for the first time, perhaps, the hugeness of what your heart is, what your desires are, what your will is for me and my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I want to come before you today and I want to repent that I've settled for a status quo, that I've been satisfied with less than, and I honestly haven't had the same passion for you that you have for me. Lord, please forgive me. And I ask you now to allow me to eat this little book of your, of your revelation. 
Lord, I promise you today that by your grace, I will allow for your word to stir me up, to make me uncomfortable, to make me feel so ready to go the whole route and not hold back and be transformed to the fullness of Jesus' image in my life. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, what else is going on here? What, what are you sensing? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What's God, you know, come on, give me some feedback. This is no joke for me. I know it isn't for you either. What, what, what are you feeling? What are you sensing? Jesus. I saw walls go Go ahead. I saw walls coming down. Walls like coming bricks, down. Pieces of brick coming down. <laughs> nice. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Um, so what I'm, what I'm thinking, what the Lord is bringing to my mind is, I've, I have felt that. I'm sure every, you know, we all have. Yeah. Where you just feel like, Lord, I know what I have in me, but why... Is it so hard sometimes like yeah. laying hands on the sick and mm. getting a word or whatever? And yeah. when I start to feel that way, I back off because I feel like, okay, I'm not resting in you or I'm striving. or mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if those are the same words that the religious have been putting, but for now it sounds like we have to, we actually have to press into that to yeah. get to the other side of that. I think so. Okay. I really do. Because what what is it that wants to hold us back? Right. It's it's the mindset. It's a it's a, a comfort zone that I know I've been in. Listen, you know, the, you know, what the corollary word to this is, which I wasn't even sure I was going to get into. It's this idea that the church has been um, under a spirit of slumber, a spirit of slumber. OK, where where it's been acceptable to just simply, oh, you know what? I go to church. Yeah. You know, and again, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to be judgmental or critical or negative. It's just this is the status quo that we've all been exposed to. We've had, you know, situations like this, right? So this idea that um, that we have been dealing with a spirit of slumber. I said, Lord, and maybe I guess we're going to go through this now. I, I wasn't even going to touch on this tonight. I said, Lord, what what happens or what access what what permission does the enemy get when we succumb or acquiesce to a spirit of slumber and i asked him that and at some point later on he reminded me of this scripture in proverbs 6 10 and 11 a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to rest your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man now think about that. What is he saying? He's saying that that spirit of slumber is the open door through which the devil can come in and steal your inheritance in Christ. Steal who you are as a son or daughter. Why? Because that spirit of slumber is, oh, it's okay. I've done the best I can do and nobody else is going any further. So I'll, you know, well, I'll just, Right? And so this spirit of slumber that, that, that we have been, you know, that need, I guess we need to do this tonight. Thank you, Lord. I was, like I said, I was almost going to skip over this thing. 
It's not a spirit. No, no, no. I'm not. Please. We're talking about. We're talking about a level of complacency and apathy. Yeah, that's Where we don't have a passion for what he's passionate about. We're simply satisfied. Do you have a question, honey? Which words? Apathy. Apathy. Oh, and, and complacency. Who's who is the dictionary today that can define these? I can do it. I just felt like somebody else might have the definitions. Apathy is I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's okay. Right. Nah, yeah. It's a total I don't care attitude. You know, complacency is you're satisfied with the way things are. Yeah. Like you don't want more. You're yeah. just like, okay, I got here. Right. Settling. That's the word. Yeah. You're just settling. Yeah. But you're actually satisfied with settling. That's what it is. It's like you don't care. I'm saying, yeah, you know what? I got enough. I'm not going to worry about it. You know. Um, so, um, oh, Jesus. So, so and, and the other part that goes along with this, I believe, is what... God spoke in Daniel 7.25, where he's describing the, 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 what the enemy does to us. He says that the, the enemy will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. Plus, he changes times and seasons. He makes you feel like, oh, it's not the right time. It's not the right season. Just relax. You know, you don't have to... You know, yeah, everybody, you know, others are doing it, but you don't have to. It's not your season. Bull crap. Today's the day of salvation. Hello, go ahead now. Right? Jesus said, now go forth and make disciples. So, so we're not sitting back waiting for, oh, it's not my time yet. Well, okay, you can be disobedient. That's fine. And I'm saying, I'm saying this to me, please, you understand. I'm not trying to say I got this all figured out. This is all so fresh, you can still smell it. Okay, so, so, so this idea that, that the poverty spirit, not poverty, the slumber spirit, poverty spirit, listen, listen to me. Uh, the slumber spirit and, and the enemy wearing us down so that we just don't feel like doing anything. We give up. It's like, hey, you know. I was, I was like blown away as I was studying this because I completely forgot that Jesus spoke about this in his parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. He said in Matthew 25, 5, Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. So clearly, Jesus was prophesying about times when the people of God would settle for just, you know, status quo, quo, whatever, whatever, right? And so uh, the idea that that we want to bring this into the light, right, is part of the equation. Lord, we want to just bring this into the light. And if you don't feel like this applies to you, please don't feel like you are being, you know, pushed into something that's not, you know, for you. I'm telling you what God spoke to me, and I believe that, that many times he'll, sh- he'll show me stuff because it's something he wants to release to the wider body of Christ. You know, I just kind of get to be the whipping boy, <laughs> you know, for this stuff. So, so um, I, just, I just feel like we just need to kind of come before him right now and, and just acknowledge wherever that slumber has kept us back. 
Okay, I'm, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. You can, you can do this with God, you know, and just recognize that, that, Lord, we just recognize that we've allowed the enemy to wear us down in places. We've allowed him to, to lie to us about times and seasons. And that spirit of slumber, Lord, in many cases has, has been there. So we're just coming before you tonight about that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just reject the spirit of slumber. <laughs> Just reject it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because the scripture from Ephesians 5.14, you ready? Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. <laughs> do, you do you realize that this is talking about what Jesus said in Matthew 5 when he said, let your light so shine before men that what? That men will see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. That spirit of slumber which keeps us in that place of not rising up because it's just so comfortable. Right? We, it prevents us from rising up and saying, you know what? Are you ready for this? This may shock some of you. You deserve to shine. The spirit, spirit of religion that you probably, oh, I don't deserve to shine. I don't, no, 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 I don't. Yes, you do. Why? Because it's Christ in you in the who's the hope of glory, the confident expectation of glory. Christ in you. So you, des- you, uh, you know what, say this, I deserve to shine. I deserve to shine. <laughs> Come on. You do. Jesus made that possible for every one of us to say that I deserve to shine. Who you are, who God made you to be, what he created you for, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, what matters to you. That wasn't an accident. That was intentional on his part. Why? Because nobody, nobody can glorify God exactly the way you do in your life. And for me and you to not give him all the glory he deserves by living the life he created us for is to rob him. You know, we've been, we've been lied to. Not purposefully, it's just this is what happens. We've been lied to by spirits of religion that tell us that, oh, you know, glorify God as you worship, as you raise your hands and as you shout and sing. You're glorifying God. Well, yeah, we are. But there's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more. It's good to worship. It's good to pray. It's good to you know engage in. We're going to worship in a few minutes here. But if that doesn't, if that's not our lifestyle, right? If that's not, you know what? I I love what God is, what He's, how He's made me. I always wanted to be taller. Yeah. Hello. I want to be skinnier. Right? You look at you look at yourself and you go, oh, yeah. You sure you knew what you were doing here, huh? I'm tired of looking up all the time, Lord. Right. So so, but that's what we're saying. Oh, no. Right. Well, she has to help me. Well, I couldn't help it. Yeah, you couldn't help it. That's right. 
She's a helpmate. <laughs> She's going to need help if she tries to pick me up. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, so now I forgot what I was saying. That's all right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're talking about glory. Yeah. Uh, the glory that we give God is uh, the maximum. This is what I, God gave me this phrase years ago. If you want to give God maximum glory, you have to live a life of maximum destiny. There's no other way to put it. You know, if I'm not doing that, he's not getting the glory he deserves out of my life. And I want that. And so I don't know about you, but I, I'm committed as never before to go after this, this thing, this passion, this, you know, God help us all, help me, you know. Because again, it's not something that we can, we can stir up in the way of manufacturing it. But it's already there. It's already in us. Why, how do I know that? How do you know that it's already in you? Come on. Because Jesus is in you. And it's the same, same principle as we love because he first loved us. So I want to be so overwhelmed, so whacked out of my mind because of his love and his passion for me that I learned how to do that back to him because he's been my example. Does that sound good? Awesome. You know, we're on the precipice of so much stuff right now that will require a passion. It will require a commitment. It will require... And it's not because I'm going to tell you about that. I refuse. That's not my job. I'm not Holy Spirit. We all just got to hear from Him and say, Yep, I'm going for that. <laughs> Did I wake anybody up? <laughs> Some